Have you ever noticed that podcasts are a little like sharks? When they stop swimming, they die, and they can both smell blood from a mile away. So in the spirit of keeping swimming, I'd like to introduce you to TOS Plus. Putting my business pants on for a second, TOS Plus is our new premium membership thingamajig. It's the all-access pass to a growing library of exclusive horror, sci-fi, and WTF audio fiction, along with access to the regular TOS weekly stories in higher quality, a week early, and ad-free. Once again, that's exclusive episodes, ad-free, a week early, and higher quality audio. You'll also get access to the brand new TOS Plus Vault, where you can grab our ebooks, comics, and desktop wallpapers and all sorts of stuff. All of this is available today via our Patreon campaign, which includes juicy extras like Discord access, audiobooks, and merch. And if you're an Apple user, you can subscribe directly via the Apple Podcasts app. We're now in our eighth year of the podcast, and we've got so many cool projects on the boil none of which would be possible without the ongoing support of our listeners, specifically our premium subscribers, our super-powered patrons, and the many multi-dimensional voodoo priests air-guitaring to the TOS intro jingle. For more, head over to theotherstories.net forward slash plus. Once again, that's theotherstories.net forward slash plus. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to LinkedIn.com slash results to claim your credit. That's LinkedIn.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So, take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. These aren't the stories your mother told you. No, these are the other stories. If you're the kind of person who can't get enough of fiction podcasts, then you might be interested to hear that we have just launched a brand new one, a podcast that focuses on the weirder side of fiction. Tales of What is the Bizarro Fiction Podcast, The Twilight Zone meets Adult Swim, The Outer Limits directed by David Lynch, or Franz Kafka doing Creepshow. The podcast will not be for everyone, and that's okay, but if you're a through and through weirdo, then this podcast is most definitely for you. The first season of Tales of What is going live as we speak, so go search for it in your favourite podcast app today. Today's episode 
is The Doll, written by Catherine Storblin and narrated by Alexandra Elroy. Saturday morning. Bill Horton arrived with a thinly packed suitcase and my pale niece on his arm. Beside the tan leather of her grandfather, Eloise looked sickly, devoid of colour. Her skin shined wet like bleached seaweed, and her hands were splotchy with poorly circulating veins. She held a doll tightly to her chest, as if trying to protect it from the sun. Beneath the folds of her long, stringy hair, all I could see was shadow. The visit would be brief, but Bill gave me his number just in case. An hour later, Eloise watched the world from the peeling green rocking chair on the front porch, tasting the air with the slight tilt of her head. Her unwavering eyes were like glass marbles turning the world upside down. She never wondered, just sat and rocked as much as the wind would rock her, and all the while the doll nested in her lap. After a while I caught a glimpse of it, Eye sockets dark like charred earth, black horse hair loosely attached, and a dress made of some thin, patchy material that seemed like the worn burlap of a potato sack. But I didn't get a good look at it for several hours. When I spoke to Eloise, she rested her hand over the doll as if to gently shield its eyes from something unseemly. I tried my best not to notice. As time passed, I noticed her humming an offbeat tune, like the buzz of a bee muffled by its hive. I became so accustomed to the sound that, when she stopped, I thought I had gone deaf. But Eloise had simply fallen asleep in the rocker. As I stood there, the doll slipped like a bag of sand onto the faded surface of the porch. I went to pick it up, but stopped midway as the image settled into my mind. The charcoal sockets of its eyes were just that. Small burned rounds where buttons used to be. They had left a faded, greasy shadow on the doll's face. The doll's skin was sullied in patches of inconsistent brown, and the stitches holding it together had softened to the decay of age, so the mouth split open, leaving unanchored threads to dangle like worms over the yellowed cotton stuffing of its innards. The doll hung over my hand like a dead weight, like something that had given up. Take me away, it said. Let me die. I lifted it closer, cradling it as I would a priceless antique, when the stench hit me. I felt the almost irresistible urge to drop it as greasy oils from the doll's body soaked through the cloth onto my hand. It was damp. Sickly sweet with rot and whatever puddle it had been dropped into. And it smelled faintly of stale urine and boiled apples. I held the doll out in front of me and took it grudgingly into the house to see what I could do to contain the smell, worried that if I left it in water to soak it would simply disintegrate, dissolving into nothing but a foul perpetual stain on the white porcelain of my pristine bathroom tub. Eloise continued to sleep peacefully on the porch as I tried to wash the doll. I used a gentle soap and a damp cloth, trying to lighten some of the stains, but the smell only worsened. 
The harder I scrubbed, the more I choked, and the cloth came back soot-grey each time. I thought about removing the doll's clothes, shaking them with soap and water in a jar until they came clean, but they were too decrepit. I left the doll out in one of the spare rooms to dry, but I began planning its destruction soon after. Eloise, I bought you a new doll. No, Bill, it must have gotten lost. Despite keeping myself busy with household chores, some form of discomfort lingered at the back of my mind. I couldn't focus on the dishes. My hands felt as if they had been tainted by the doll and I scrubbed them instead filling the kitchen sink with scalding, soapy water that turned my skin an angry shade of pink. I watched the soap bubbles split open one by one as I considered the stranger that was my niece. Eloise had lived with the grandparents for most of her life. Her mother had died from skin disease when she was young, and I'd barely heard about her since. I only knew that she was not like other girls. She walked like a shadow in the sunlight, breathed like the fog between rains. And yet she did nothing. Her life was a movie playing in her head, and she was merely yesterday's audience member. Later, Eloise walked into the living room while I sat reading. Her shadow drew me out of the story, as if it had stretched out a hand and pulled me out of the forbidden romance by the nape of my neck. She looked not through me, but at me, sizing me up. Over her bottom lip there lay a pile of drool that gently spilled over as I watched. When I stood and reached out for her, she recoiled, promptly ran upstairs and slammed the door to her room shut. Darkness tugged in her direction. When I followed, I found Eloise in a panic, clawing at her skin as if there was something locked inside, desperately trying to get out. In a fit of sudden rage, she began knocking things over, lashing out with chipped, bleeding nails that stained the bed covers charcoal red every time I tried to enter the room. With each exaggerated howl, her voice became more pitiful, like a wild animal struggling against its chains. The shift was so sudden, the haphazard way she moved her body so uncharacteristic, that I went downstairs and nervously dialed Bill's number. I steadied my hands against the counter, feeling each ring echo through me as if my body were hollow, and the cavity of my chest responded like a bell. Bill, I need help. Eloise is screaming, practically foaming at the mouth. Where's the doll? He interrupted. I paused, only to remember the rotting stench as if it had once again been placed beneath my nose. Fetch it. Fetch it now. It's all she needs. The connection ended. Without thinking, I tripped my way to the bedroom, eager to find it until I saw it. The doll was waiting for me. It had not moved, and yet I felt the change. The room permeated with the scent of urine and rot, had become something with edges, something sharp. Warily, I picked up the doll. Oil once again covered my fingers, and I imagined a softly pulsing heart, trapped by the thin layers of rotten fabric. A heart that moulded itself intentionally into the palm of my hand, 
as if it recognised me. The slit of its mouth, despite the strange worm-like threads curved upward, into what looked like a grin, and I nearly dropped it. I inhaled as deep as I dared given the stench, and left the room holding the door at arm's length, afraid that it would sprout teeth and bite. Watch me, it seemed to say. I quickened my pace. As soon as I was upstairs, Eloise's mournful cries dried up as if something had cut through her vocal cords. The door to the guest bedroom cracked open and Eloise held out her hand reluctantly. The blood from her face slowly drained into its natural seaweed colour as I approached and carefully, oh so carefully, handed back the doll. Despite her ragged breathing, she looked at peace. The blood drying on her fingernails blended lovingly with the dark stains on the doll's dress, and without a word, Eloise disappeared back into her room. I swore I heard her softly weeping. Through the crack in the door I could see the doll lying beside her, as if lulled to sleep, and on its lips a dim contented smile. Bill must have decided that my visit needed to be cut short because he showed up in my driveway the next morning with a patient, pencil-thin expression. Casually, he leaned up against the porch railing, watching me pick numbly at the peeling of green paint on my rocking chair. My wife, she's not well. We can't take care of Eloise forever. I said nothing. Since Eloise's mom passed, well... You're the last living blood relative on her mum's side, and I'd like Eloise to stay with you more. His voice crackled with years of tobacco smoke and authority. Just weekends, maybe a few holidays. People don't understand her, and she needs someone when we're away. She's no trouble, most of the time. A burden passed between us. A looming understanding... Someone else would eventually have to take care of Eloise. Without another word, Eloise's grandfather went inside to collect her. She glanced at me as she left the house, but with no hint of recognition. Her hands clutched tightly around her beloved doll, and its charcoal eyes seemed to watch me watch her go. See you soon, it said. See you soon. The seasons passed, interrupted only by the troublesome chime of the doorbell. I awoke in the armchair only to find a glass half full of bourbon on the side table. I swooped it up and made my way to the front door, wondering which drunken neighbour had locked themselves out of their house. Through the peephole, all I could see was the soft dark of 2am. Perhaps it was the bourbon, but confidence drove me to unlock the door. I gave it a push and the rusty creak of hinges echoed playfully into the space beyond. No one was there. Then the stench hit me. The smell crawled into my nose and sifted through the soft folds of my brain, striking memory. The smell, stronger than ever before, made the doll real again. The doll that I had convinced myself was never truly more than that, just a twisted figment of imagination, 
but that figment had left a stain on the woven welcome mat of my front porch. Beside the stain lay a wriggling, slimy worm, its segments stretched towards the door, and I stepped back only to find another, a trail of them entering the house. Adrenaline cleared the haze of bourbon as street lights spilled into the house. Oily patches shone all over the room, as if something had dragged itself across the floor, bleeding a trail of worms. I remembered the worm-like threads running loose over the doll's body, convinced it had all been in my head. I had dismissed the image, but now there they were. Unwanted parasites crawling, collecting towards some unknown and uninvited host. A gust of wind pulled the door shut, and the light of the outside world was shut out too. Over my shoulder I saw nothing. The dark did not breathe beside me, and yet I felt as if something was there. Wet gargled whispers the white noise of white noise. The telephone rang, and the glass of bourbon slipped from my fingers, shattering in a mosaic haze. I watched the glass splinter outwards as liquid spread onto the floor, and then the alcohol rolled away from the worms and their stains uphill, as if compelled by a magnetic force. In the days I reached for the telephone. The noise on the other end was muffled, as if wrapped in cloth. Can you hear me? Bill? Listen carefully, he said. Eloise. Her body was found at the lake on Riverdale. Drowned just two days ago. What? I've been meaning to call, he said wearily. Really, I have... It's just... It sounded as if he was digging through something. A closet, maybe. It's just that I can't find it, and I'm worried. I can barely hear you. It's responsible. I know it is, but I can't find it. What are you... I can't find the doll! His voice echoed loudly through the receiver, and suddenly the stench pervading my house felt like a warning. You can't find... The doll, he repeated. I can't find the doll. Movement behind me drew my gaze to the shadow of an object that had not been there before. I moved, and the phone moved with me, trailing its cord on the counter. The doll had grown. The ragged body sat plump and writhing with worms, sifting in and out of the burned, patterned rounds of its eyes. As I watched, the doll watched me. Its head fell to the side as if a wire had been snapped and its mouth split open, allowing the worms and grime within to seep over its front and onto the wooden floor. A new stain. Bill's voice cut in and out. The phone slipped from my hands, crashed, and the words fell out of my mouth. I found it. hope you enjoyed today's episode of the other stories 
The Doll was written by Catherine Stoblin, narrated by Alexandra Elroy, edited by Carl Hughes, and music by Chris Zabriskie and Tom Robson. And sound effects were provided by freesound.org. The episode illustration was provided by Luke Spooner of Carry On House. If you enjoyed today's episode, then you can help support the show over at patreon.com forward slash hawk and cleaver. You can join our book club and chat about the podcast over at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash hawk and cleaver. The other stories is a production of the story studio hawk and cleaver and is brought to you with creative commons, attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license. Don't change it, don't sell it, but by all means share the hell out of it. Until next time. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.